Tactical sports take. Inbound. Who the fuck is that guy? Beat him off. Stomp on his head as he's unconscious. Five-tool commentator. <laughs> he's the Willie Mays of sports <laughs> broadcasting. It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. I didn't get my usual uh, two and a half hours of sleep. I got, you know, a gigantic cup of coffee here. I mean, things are just going great. You know, it's it, we're, we're right in the prime of October. You know, the weather's 45 degrees, which is just perfect. I mean, if I could make the weather 45 degrees all year long, I'd do it. You know, it's it's got that fall smell outside. I mean, it's just the perfect time. We got MLB playoffs going on. I watched baseball for the first time in forever because the playoffs are the only thing that, that matters. It's the only baseball that's watchable. We got hockey going on. I guess that's okay. Got football. I mean, it's such a great time uh, in the world of sports. And we're just one – I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we're just one week away from having two – consecutive weekends with pay-per-views two of the biggest cards of the year and you know the card we have uh to preview this afternoon not too bad at all not too shabby you know we got past the fucking bullshit norma dumont aspen lad debacle embarrassing black mark stain on the ufc and then whatever whatever the fight night was before that i totally forgot was it Dern and rodriguez I mean, that was okay. It was an okay fight, but, uh, you know, that card still fucking sucked. So, finally, we have a proper UFC main event for a fight night. Not some thing we have to do to check the boxes off. Uh, you know, we have, a, we have a nice one here. We have a nice one here, and we have a big card, too. Uh, and uh, I don't really know how I feel about the card starting at, uh, at noon. That's a, little, that's a little too early. A little too, too early for me. But that's all right. Uh, well, I was going to say, as always, we'll go from the bottom of the card to the top of the card. But, you know, we tried experimenting going from the top to the bottom. So, uh, you know, we'll start off at the uh, the top of the card with the main event. You know, there's no reason to bury the lead. Let's start with the main event. Let's start with Paulo Costa and Marvin Vittori. Costa is going to be 13-1. and one, Vittori 17-4-1. and one. Uh, we'll take a look at the North Star Sports UFC rankings, and we'll have Paulo Costa at number four and Marvin Vittori at number five. I believe the UFC agrees with me on Vittori, but they have Paulo Costa at number two. I think that's probably a little rich for uh, for my taste. But either way, we got two top five middleweights competing here at light heavyweight. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, we'll also take a look at the uh, odds for this one coming from Odds Shark, uh, I guess by way of, uh, uh, let's say, the opening. Uh, they're going to have Marvin Vittori as the minus 120 favorite. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I don't know how recent those odds are because I know a lot of the money lately has been going on Marvin Vittori, and again, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but, you know, odds makers have a, a tough time on this one. You know, it's a very uh, even matchup between these two fighters. Um, obviously, this fight was originally was uh, supposed to take place uh, in the middleweight division. Paulo Costa came in like 30 pounds heavy a couple of days before. And then we started getting into, 
Well, I heard Marvin explain it. I don't even think they went to 190 right away. I think they might have gone to like 188, and then it was 190, and then it was officially agreed upon. We'll do 195, um, which is interesting. And then it, you know, it kept going up like three pounds, 198, and then they just went to 205. And I thought it would have been, been the funniest fucking thing in the world if Paulo Costa missed 205. That would be fucking hilarious. But he made it. So that's not a good look. That's not a good look for Paulo Costa. And I saw some people, even uh, Kevin Ioli, who certainly knows what he's talking about, uh, although he was kind of speculating on it, but I, I would, I'm led to believe... You know, that if he speculates on something, it's not, you know, the fucking craziest thing in the world. You know, he's uh, a smart guy in the realm of uh, of uh, the UFC. But talking about, like, does Paulo Costa want to get cut? Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I, I remember when this first happened, like, the, the first, I can't make middleweight. Before all the debacle, before 195, asking, you know, journalists asking him, well, why can't you make 185? You know, is it an injury? Is it a mental thing? What's going on? And him just saying, well, I'll tell you after the fight. I'm very curious to know why. I really want to know why he can't make it. And I don't know which is more interesting. Mentally that he can't make 185 or physically that he can't make 185. Because both are fascinating. Both are not good. Um, Paulo Costa kind of reminds me of like Darren Till. Where even in the lead-up to his, his title fight with Israel Adesanya, you always kind of wondered, how long can he actually fight at this division? Like, he's a fucking massive, fucking massive middleweight. Like, when he got put in the cage with Johnny Hendricks, he made Johnny Hendricks, who, you know, loves to miss weight and just, you know, have a terrible diet. He made him look like a lightweight. So how long can he really fight at middleweight? And maybe we're running into that uh, wall right now. Uh, I wouldn't even... I, honestly, I don't know what it is. Even say it's an injury. Say he has like a fucking... I don't know, a staph infection or something. Or say there was a legitimate reason why he had difficulties making 185. I still kind of just want to see him go up to 205. Like, he, I think he'd be pretty fucking good at 205. But, you know, he seems to want to stay at 185 until he becomes champ, which... You know, I don't know if that's ever uh, ever going to happen. But uh, so yeah, now we're at now we're at two oh five. I guess that's better looking than a catchweight. A catchweight is just really shitty. Now fighting at two oh five is shitty as well because un- unless the UFC's cool about it, and I think they'll be cool about it with Marvin. I don't think they'll be cool about it with Costa, where it's like the Conor McGregor thing. Like I'm going to fight Cowboy at one seventy but we're going to count the fight at lightweight. Like that kind of stupid fucking mental gymnastics. I think for the sake of the UFC's matchmaking and their opinion on each fighter, they will count this as quote-unquote a middleweight fight for Marvin Vittori because it wasn't his fucking fault that, you know, all this happened. You you know what I mean? Like obviously in in the record books, you can't count it as a middleweight fight, but in Marvin Vittori's case to build himself back up at middleweight. I'm sure they will count this in their eyes as a middleweight fight. For Paulo Costa, I'm sure they'll probably just say, fuck you. I mean, like, <laughs> this is a 205-pound fight for you. I mean, that's got to be um, 
I, I, I haven't really seen anybody from the UFC talk about this. I, I would have to imagine they are not pleased with uh, Paulo Costa. And it's it's kind of an interesting precedent as well. Not that this is the first time that this type of thing has happened. Because uh, people brought up like the Nick Diaz, Robbie Lawler fight, you know, like right before the fight, he said he wanted it at middleweight. And I mean, obviously, the difference there is that's just an old man fight between two old men. I mean, it's not there's not really anything on the line on the line. You know, they're not trying to get back to the title picture at 170. It's just a fun fight. Okay, fuck it. You're having trouble making weight. Let's go to 185. With this, it sets an interesting precedent because what do you do if you're the UFC? So you know Paulo Costa is going to miss weight. He's telling you, I'm not going to make 185. Not only am I not going to make 185, we'll see on 195. What do you do? So everybody's here. We put all this promotion into this fight. Marvin Vittori's here. We really don't want to piss him off. Um, do we just placate him? And obviously that's what they did. You know, they just said, whatever, whatever weight you fucking come in at is fine. 205, whatever, 20 pounds above what this fight was contracted to be at. Totally cool with me. Or do you tell him to fuck off? Like, we don't do that here in the UFC, sir. Like, you know what I mean? You would never see that on, on, on the Contender Series. You would never see that. You would never see this with fighters who were not ranked. But it's like, well, this is our main event. Like, we really can't afford to tell Paulo Costa to fuck off. We need a main event. So it's like, you're in a way rewarding bad behavior, but you're stuck between a rock and a hard place because it's like, well, we... We want to send the message that you need to fucking make weight for fights that you're contracted at, but, like, we also, like, this isn't the fucking prelim opener here. This is, you know, (laughs) this is, like, the big shebang for this Saturday night. Like, we kind of need this fight to happen. Um, So, yeah, that's all all interesting. Um, Now, stylistically between these two fighters, you know, it was interesting. I was running up and down strengths and weaknesses for for Costa and Vittori and this was even before the the weight cutting stuff happened but I'll I'll tell you how that factors in to my uh official fight prediction for this but I was kind of going like well who's the better striker well probably Paulo Costa but Marvin Vittori has made leaps and bounds uh in improvement improvements when it comes to his striking you know like he was a he was a grappler but his striking has improved. It's improved. Um, 3.8 significant strikes landed, uh, three absorbed. And for the the style of of fighter that he is, like an in-your-face type of guy, it's pretty amazing that it's not just one for one. Anything that's positive, he's a good striker. But I'd probably give it to Paolo. Now, the differential between hitting and not getting hit for Paolo is slimmer, but he's a far more active fighter, and I would say he punches a lot harder. So, striking, you got to give that to, to Costa, in my estimation. But then I was kind of thinking about everything else, and I was like, well, if it's in the clinch, I would really favor Marvin Vittori if the fight went to the ground. I mean, Costa's Brazilian, so, I mean, you know, I hate to stereotype, but if you're from Brazil, you're probably capable on the ground. But I'd, if the fight went to the ground, I'd give it to Marvin. Marvin's a good wrestler. Uh, chin uh, I don't know who has the better chin to be honest we'll call that a wash but then like uh, cardio 
Yeah, probably Marvin Vittori. I mean, he's gone 25 minutes before and kind of put it on folks. Um, so it's like, man, everything other than striking, and I don't really know how big the gap is between the striking of Costa and the, and the striking of Vittori, because I think Vittori's closing the gap on a lot of fighters in the middleweight division when it comes to striking. So, you know, I think Marvin Vittori is the, the more well-rounded uh, fighter. Uh, I think if the fight goes longer, if it goes 25 minutes, that would heavily, heavily favor Marvin Vittori um, because he's going to have the cardio to put it on Paulo Costa. But, you know, if the fight's finished in the first couple of rounds, I mean, it's probably Costa who's doing the finishing. But I like Marvin Vittori in this fight, and I like it. I like Marvin Vittori by unanimous decision. And the whole missing weight and having to put it all the way up to 205 really turns me off on Paulo Costa because I don't know what's going on. Even if I liked Paulo Costa to win this fight, I would go for Vittori just because of the weight cutting thing. Whether or not it's something mental, that's fucking scary. So we're putting some guy who's not 100% there mentally, and I don't mean, you know, as if he's like a fucking, you know, schizophrenic or something, but he could be anxiety or something you know, or anything, but you're putting someone who's not 100% mentally in the game in there. I don't like that. If it's something physical, well, I don't like that as well. You know what I mean? If it's an, like, again, I don't know. And of of course it's probably not this because you'd have to get cleared, but you know, if it's, if it's an infection or if it's residual effects from COVID or something, you know, I don't know what it is, but it doesn't, it really doesn't matter whether or not it's mental or physical. Uh, the fact that he couldn't make 185 and we had to go 20 pounds heavier, I just don't like that. That's a huge red flag for me. I'm completely out on Paulo Costa in this fight. I don't think it's uh, you know outside of the realm of possibility that Paulo Costa wins this fight because he's still going to be a dangerous fighter. And he, you know you know what I mean. He's still going to have power, but just huge red flags for me. I probably would have leaned Marvin Vittori anyways, but man, after that it really just kind of cemented my answer. I'm going to go Marvin Vittori here. By unanimous decision. All right, moving on to the lightweight division. We'll have a fight between Grant Dawson and Ricky Glenn. Dawson is 17 and 1. Glenn is 22, 6 and 1. Uh, neither of these fighters are ranked, although I would imagine Grant Dawson is not that far off from being ranked uh, in the UFC's rankings. Actually, I totally forgot about this. In uh, the North Star Sports UFC rankings, we have Grant Dawson at number 12. So we have Grant Dawson at number 12, Ricky Glenn, uh, definitely not ranked. Um, interesting matchmaking here. I wonder why this came together. I, you know, obviously you look at our rankings, we have him at 12. Uh, you know, people who are not in the top five at lightweight generally are going to have a tough time getting opponents uh, in the direction they want to go, which is, uh, you know, higher ranked. But, um, I don't know. A tough, tough fight. I mean, I think we're kind of past tough fights for Grant Dawson. You know what I mean? Just like, just testing him out. Hey, let's test him out against Ricky Glenn. No, let's give him like a top 15 guy. Let's, he's a contender now. Grant Dawson's a contender. We don't have to test him. We can test him with contenders. Uh, he's on a eight fight winning streak. Had a interesting performance against Leonardo Santos in his last outing back in March. Knocked him out. Uh, with hammer fists at the last second. Uh, and if I remember correctly, Santos had some moments in that fight. That was a, a lot closer than uh, it probably should have been. Santos 
way up there in age. I think he's like 42 or something. I take a sip of coffee there. Um, yeah, but I think he's like 42. And um, Dawson's good. So he's a, a, a smothering wrestler. So stylistically, he's he's going to have an interesting matchup here against uh, uh, Ricky Glenn because, you know, Ricky Glenn is uh, definitely a striker. And Dawson, 3.4 significant strikes landed to uh, 2.1 absorbed. Again, that's not exactly him on his feet. That's every single significant strike. There's a lot of, you know, when you're a guy like Grant Dawson, when you're a great wrestler, you know, there's a lot of I'm on the ground smashing somebody. So, you know, those significant strike stats are, are leaned a little bit more towards the ground, obviously. Uh, but I really like him in this one. The only thing the only thing that concerns me about Grant Dawson is he gets in trouble on a on a, on a semi-frequent basis. But to this point, he's undefeated in the UFC, and none of these trouble none of the trouble he's getting in has uh, you know led to a loss. But he does have to kind of clean that up because I believe he got clipped. I believe he got clipped on the feet against Leonardo Santos. And then uh, in his fight with Derek Minner, he was definitely put in a fucking super deep choke by Derek Minner, who was not somebody you want to fuck around with with a very deep choke. I mean, he's basically like the Gerald Mearshart of the, of the fucking featherweight division. You know what I mean? Like, guy who has a lot of fights and a lot of submission wins and a lot of regional experience. Uh, so... You got you to gotta watch out. You can't play with your food here with, with Rick Glenn because, you, you, I mean, you could get knocked out. <laughs> you know, that's a real possibility. Uh, and, and Rick Glenn, you know, he's, he's uh, kind of needing a win here. I mean, flip-flopping wins and losses. Uh, he's, he's been in the UFC for uh, a lot longer than I, I, I thought he had, but really just hasn't found, uh, you know, a signature win or a signature performance. And this certainly would be that because it would put him in our rankings. It would, you know, for whatever that's worth. But uh, I think this would still be a big win in the eyes of UFC fans and uh, the UFC. But, you know, when it's all said and done, I I love Grant Dawson, a super active uh, wrestler. And uh, I think he's going to get another win here. He has been getting a lot of finishes. I'm going to say he chokes out Ricky Glenn uh, round Round three, he takes his time. Grant Dawson is not exactly a finisher in, in round one. Uh, but, you know, I think he takes his time, probably uh, finds the finish uh, somewhere in round three. All right, moving on to the featured bout on the main card. It's going to be between Jessica Rose Clark and Jocelyn Edwards. Clark is 10-6, and six. Edwards is 10-3. and three have no idea how this is a uh, featured bout on any type of main card. Uh, very clearly, none of these fighters are uh, ranked. And to be honest, I really don't have a whole lot to say about either of these fighters. We'll take a look at the odds, and, and Clark is going to be the minus 147 uh, favorite. That's kind of interesting. In my mind, it's a pick em. It's a pick em in my mind. I don't really think much about uh, Clark... Lost, lost two of her last three fights. Did have a finish against Sarah Alpert. But again, you see that with a lot of like these UFC fighters on the female side where they'll just have, they'll have a terrible record. And we'll get to somebody else who has a terrible record uh, a little bit later. But, you know, they'll have a terrible record in the UFC. But then 
right before they get cut, they'll have a nice win against a, a UFC newcomer who they just pulled from the streets, who they just pulled from, you know, the fucking Mary Kay booth, you know, at the mall. So I don't, uh, I'd feel really bad picking Jessica Clark uh, in this fight. I also wouldn't feel good about picking Jocelyn Edwards, although uh, I like, I've liked more of what she's done in the UFC than I have what Clark's done. Uh, that fight with uh, Yanan Wu uh, in her debut. I definitely picked Wu in that fight, and I was pretty surprised with Edwards. Uh, long, lanky striker. Could be better at, at managing uh, distance, but she really surprised me. She was really really uh, well-rounded in that fight. She was good on the ground uh, and, and good striking. Didn't really have uh, a great result uh, in her second outing, her sophomore outing uh, against Carol Hosa. Um... She lost that one via unanimous decision. You know what? They both they both have a fight against Sarah Alper in the last couple of years. Edwards lost that fight. Clark won that fight. I guess I'm gonna side with MMA math here. That's you know famous last words, but fuck. I guess I'll go Jessica Rose Clark to win this one. Clearly, 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 clearly by decision. So Jessica Rose Clark by decision. Final answer. I don't need a lifeline for that one. All right, moving on. Uh, still on the main card, we'll have a fight here between Alex Caceres and Sung Woo Choi. Caceres is 18 and 12. Choi is 10 and 3. Uh, we'll take a look at the odds for this one. And Woo is going to be the minus 180 favorite. Uh, Alex Caceres, don't know how that guy's in the UFC, absolutely does not belong uh, in the company. He's on a four-fight winning streak, if you would believe that. If you could believe he's on a four-fight winning streak uh, against UFC newcomers and bums. Uh, so the, the UFC pulled uh, four fighters off the street. Uh, just random guys. Just random guys. Uh, somewhat in shape, you know, because they got to be in the same weight class. And uh, he, he pulled together a four-fight winning streak. This is the the same guy who lost to, uh, you know, well, some not good fighters here in the, in the UFC. And I don't really understand what the appeal is. And the, the most concerning thing for the UFC is when it comes to like the UFC pay scale, like the UFC severe, like everybody talks about the UFC underpaying fighters. They severely overpay fighters who have been in the company for a long time. Where like Andre Arlovsky will fight in like a fight night co-main event slot and the dude will make like fucking four hundred and eighty thousand dollars like they'll just they'll just casually give away a half a million dollars to somebody who's a million miles away you know in the rankings just because he's been in the ufc for like 30 fights so alex caceres has been in the ufc for like dude i don't know like 20 plus fights i would almost guarantee they're paying this guy uh six figures at least at least six figures to to just take on bums so the return on investment i would guarantee is not there for the the ufc i don't know how they you know if they ever if, if they ever ran the books and and checked the numbers they would see they're losing a lot of money on alex caceres uh yeah not a good striker he's a goofy guy goofy guy not a good striker I don't really care who he's going up against. I'm picking the other guy. I'm going to go uh, Sung Woo Choi, and I don't really, I don't even really know a whole lot about him. I know he knocked out Julian Arosa, 
back in June had a nice unanimous decision win over Yusuf Zalal. Uh, 3-0 in the UFC after starting uh, 0-2. So I guess, well, I guess he's 3-2 in the UFC, but started off 0-2, then you know won his next three. So, you know, really... Uh, Really, kind of figuring it, figuring it out as of late. And Arosa is a much better fighter. Zalal is a much better fighter than Caceres. So we'll go uh, Sung Woo Choi by. Ah, we'll go decision. We'll go decision. All right, moving on to the welterweight division. We'll have a fight between D- Dwight Grant and Francisco Trinaldo. Grant is going to be 11 and three. Trinaldo 26 and eight. Take a look at the uh, odds shark odds here, which, of course, they're going to be uh, all out of order here. Uh, Trinaldo will be the minus 160 favorite. Um, interesting interesting matchup here between these uh, two fighters. Dwight Grant's a very scary-looking guy, a lot older than I thought as well. He's 37, but he's going up against Trinaldo, who I believe is 43, so uh, pretty fucking old. I don't really know why they're they're matching Grant up against Trinaldo, and to be honest, I'm surprised the odds are how they are. Uh, I, I'm definitely going with Francisco Trinaldo on this one. You know, Dwight Grant, I don't really have a whole lot of thoughts about him. He does punch pretty hard. Had a pretty interesting fight, back-and-forth fight with uh, Alan Joban, um, and that's pretty much it. Just kind of a guy who's in the UFC, but uh, Trinaldo, like I said, 43. He's going to be much shorter, have a much shorter... Uh, reach. Dwight Grant has a pretty good reach. Got long arms for being six foot one. Um, he's coming off of a unanimous decision loss to Francisco Trinaldo, but before that, three fight winning streak against Herbert Macdessi and Green. You know he's really, he's really just kind of the old man boogeyman of of you know the the lightweight and welterweight division. I like that he's up at at welterweight because he's, you know, getting up to be a grandpa age. So. Uh, you know, can't always can't always make 155, but you know this is a this is a very very tough fighter, very tough fighter, very durable. Um, and I don't know, man, who knows how long this guy can fight in the UFC? You know, you keep winning, you know they're they're not gonna they're not gonna cut you. But uh, you know, if you lose, you know you're at you're you're in danger of getting cut if you're Trinaldo. Not because you're not relevant, and not because. You can't still win fights, but you just hit a certain age and you lose a fight, they'll just cut you just to release your contract. So, you know, it's not, maybe it's not accurate, but it's not hyperbolic uh, at the same time to say Trinaldo might be fighting for his job here. But I really like Trinaldo. He's a smart striker, uh, lands significant strikes at an 11% clip better than uh, Dwight Grant, although the defense for Dwight Grant is, uh, is pretty good, but he's more active on the ground. Uh, but Dwight Grant has uh, some good uh, takedown defense. So, you know, matchup matchup wise, it's not the best matchup in the world for Trinaldo when you run the numbers. But you also have to factor in Trinaldo's putting up these numbers against much better, much higher competition. Dwight Grant, this is definitely his toughest fight of his career. But uh, I'll go Tran- Francisco Trinaldo. Uh, we'll go by unanimous decision, but it wouldn't shock me if he finished him with his hands either. All right, moving on to the main card opener between uh, Nick Negamurianu and uh, Ike Villanueva. Uh, we'll just call him Nick because uh, I don't want to don't want to try to butcher that last name there. So we have a fight here in the uh, 
205 pound division between Nick and Ike Villanueva. Nick is 10 and 1. Ike is uh, 18 and 12. Take a look at the odds here. And uh, Nikolai is going to be the uh, minus 300 favorite. Seems uh, rather high in uh, my estimation. Uh, he's 27. He is from uh, Romania. I was going to say, no, he's not from Romania, is he? No, Iwan's from, like, Moldova or something. So he's, he's from next door. Can't, can't really remember any other Romanian fighters. What a shame. But, uh, yeah, he's 10-1. Uh, he's, uh, His last fight was a split decision win over Alexa Kamer. That was definitely uh, kind of a shitty performance from Alexa Kamer on that one. Uh, meanwhile, Ike, Ike is my boy. I fucking love Ike Villanueva. Um, he lost his last fight. He got knocked out by Marcin Prochnio. That was a really close fight, back and forth. Ike's not really known for his gas tank. He's, he, you know, he's a brawler. He's gonna bring it. He's really a boxer too. He doesn't really kick. Uh, not gonna go to the ground. He's really just trying to box you and, and knock you out, which you know I can respect. Uh, but he needs a win here. He could get cut uh, if he loses. He's one in three in the UFC. Although his one knockout against uh, Vinicius Maheda, who's just you know a, a punching bag uh, in the UFC, um, was very good, very 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 good. Um, and I think is Marcin Prochnio a middleweight or is he a light heavyweight? Because I could have swore. Oh, that's right. Ike was a, a a heavyweight, which I did not like. He is not a heavyweight. Uh, if you know, he, he's a 205er because there's definitely some weight to cut. So I, li- I like him at 205 a lot better than I like him at heavyweight. And, you know, you got to give him a puncher's chance here. So, man, I don't know. I really want to go with Ike. I'm going to go with Nikolai, but I'm but I'm rooting for Ike. I'm rooting for Ike Villanueva. He's a cool dude, cool cat. Uh, but I'm going to go uh, Nikolai by round three TKO, unfortunately. You know, I got... Uh, I got a record to protect here. You know, I got to win on the main card showdown. You know, I got to make sure my pick record, which I haven't updated in like four months, is uh, is, is all uh, is all golden. So unfortunately, nothing nothing personal, Ike, if you're listening. But gotta go with Nikolai. But I'm rooting for Ike. I, this is one pick I'd like to be wrong on. You know, sometimes you just gotta eat one. I'd like to be wrong on this one. Nothing against Nikolai either. Nothing against you know uh, the Republic of Romania. If we if we have any Romanian listeners out there, in fact, if we have any Romanian listeners out there, I'm rooting for Nikolai because I don't want to. You know, I'm like the NBA. You know, I don't want to piss off my Chinese market. I don't want to piss off my Romanian market. So I'll just sell out. I'll sell out for some Romanian fucking kroners or whatever the fuck, whatever the fuck they use for money. I don't know duck fat. I'll sell out for some Romanian duck fat. Uh, and that's going to do it for the main card. So uh, I guess we'll go to the prelims here. Uh, I guess we'll go through them pretty quickly because some of these are, are pretty nondescript, uh, if I'm being honest. But uh, we'll move on here to the prelim headliner. And it's going to be between South Korea and Brazil, uh, Jun Young Park and Gregory Rodriguez. Park is 13-4, and four. Rodriguez 10 and 3. We'll take a look at the odds. And Park will be the minus 120 
uh, favorite, which uh, is fitting in my mind. Uh, 30 years old, he is, uh, he's known as the Iron Turtle, which is, if you ever see him, is fairly apropos, uh, if I can uh, possibly say so. Uh, he's won, he's won like 11 of his last 12 fights. I didn't really think a whole lot about him. He had a really bad first performance against Anthony Hernandez, but since then, uh, he's had, uh, unanimous decision victories over Marc-Andre Barrio, John Phillips, those two wins, not that impressive. Uh, but then Tafan and Chukwi, he murked him. Oh man, did he just put a whooping on Tafan and Chukwi, especially on the ground. So, uh, you know, John Young Park you know, might be somebody to watch out for. Uh, Grigory Rodriguez, he looks, he looks like uh, Anderson Silva's coach. The one that, who's like 75 years old and does steroids and looks like he's made out of, you know, uh, fine Corinthian leather. Uh, he kind of looks like Anderson Silva's fucking 70 year old coach. Uh, they call him Robocop, which is a fucking badass nickname. I mean, that's a cool nickname. I, you know, I respect the nicknames in, in, in this fight. You know, there's so many, like Brazilians are the worst generally with nicknames, you know, oh, I'm Pitbull. Oh, why are you Pitbull? Oh, because they're a tough dog. Um, 80% of Brazilian fighters are, are nicknamed Pitbull. It's fucking stupid. But, you know, sometimes even a shitty nickname, if it's unique, it's good. The Iron Turtle. You know, if I was coming up with nicknames, that probably wouldn't be in the first 10,000 uh, nicknames I came up with, but I, I like it. It's unique. There's only one Iron Turtle. Robocop? Not the greatest nickname in the world, but it's unique. I like it. So, this is maybe not first team all nickname, but maybe second team. Honorable mention. Preseason All-American uh, nicknames. Uh, yeah, Rodriguez came off of the Contender Series. Uh, he's 20. They tell me he's 29. I don't know if he's 29. That might be like uh, a Thon Maker 24. Like people tell me Thon Maker's 24 years old. I don't. I don't know about that. But um, yeah, he uh, is undefeated uh, in the. Oh, excuse me. I definitely misread that. So, well, he is undefeated. He was only had one fight in the UFC. I thought he. I thought. Uh, I thought he had a, a little more than that. But yeah. So he had a unanimous decision win over uh, Dusko uh, Todorovic. I kind of like Jung Yan Park in this one. You know. He's also undefeated, but maybe didn't have the greatest performances in his first two. But you know, he's 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 just getting hot right now. You know, he's really he's really hitting his stride. So I'll go Jun Young Park by uh, decision. But you know, I'm not married to the pick. All right, we'll move on here uh, to the lightweight division, and we'll have a fight between Mason Jones and David Onama. Jones is 10 and 1. Onama is 8 and 0. Oh. Uh, Onama is making his UFC debut. We'll take a look at the odds. Mason Jones, the heavy minus 400 favorite. Uh, the pride of Wales. A couple of pretty good Welsh fighters in the UFC. You got Jack Shore at uh, Bantamweight. You know, you got Mason Jones, a legit prospect here uh, at lightweight. Uh, still looking for his first win in the UFC, so it's kind of interesting that he's the minus 400 favorite. That's a little interesting uh, because he lost uh, a unanimous decision in his debut back in January to uh, Mike Davis. Is that Mike Beast Boy Davis? It is. Who's not a lightweight. I believe he's a featherweight. 
So he, he lost his debut to a guy who's not in the correct weight class, and then he, he had a, a no contest accidental eye poke against uh, Alan Patrick. So, you know, you got to disregard no contests. But, you know, two UFC appearances, zero wins. So, you know, he's, he's I'm sure he's hungry for a, a, a win here. Uh, Onama, all he knows is winning. His nickname is the Silent Assassin. Unfortunately, uh, you know, we got uh, Vincente Luque, who already has that nickname, but uh, he's 27 years old. He was born uh, in Uganda, and he's finished every single fight he's ever been in. All finishes, most of them in the first round. Most of them in the first round as well. Although they are in uh, some organization I've never heard of, FAC, the Fighting Alliance Championship. Never heard of that one. Never heard of that one. Apparently, it's in Missouri. Um, I'm going to go Mason Jones. I'm going to go Mason Jones. You know, I don't know how legitimate Onama is. I really don't know anything about him other than what I could gleam from some articles and, and just looking at his record and, and seeing the organization he comes from. Um, Mason Jones comes from a legitimate, you know, MMA uh, uh, pedigree, you know, being undefeated in Cage Warriors. You know, that historically is going to go really well for you. That's a great... Uh, you know, C-level breeding ground for for UFC talent. So, you know, hasn't gone his way uh, thus far in his UFC career, but it's going to go his way tonight. Or this afternoon, I suppose. All right, moving on uh, to the strawweight division. We'll have a fight between Tabitha Ricci and Maria Oliveira. Ricci's 5-1, Oliveira is 12-4. Ricci will be the minus 200 favorite. 26 years old, has one of the worst nicknames of all time. She's known as uh, Baby Shark, and she got knocked out in her debut from uh, Manon Fierro. I'm not French. I don't know how to say that, although she fought last week, so I, so I probably should have retained that. Manon Fioro. I know you don't pronounce the T. Um, so, yeah, she's looking for her first win. Uh, Maria Oliveira, 24 years old. Uh, she's going to be three inches taller. She's going to make her UFC debut here. Uh, she actually fought on the Contender Series back in 2018 against Marina Rodriguez. Uh, has a win, or has a loss to uh, Kana Asakura, who's somebody to watch uh, over in Ryzen. Um, I'll go Ricci because they tell me that she's the favorite, but I really don't have a whole lot of knowledge on either fighter. All right, moving on to the middleweight division. Uh, we'll have a fight between Loriano Staropoli and Jamie Pickett. Staropoli is nine and four. Pickett is eleven and six. St- uh, Staropoli will be the minus two twenty-five favorite. Um, right off the bat, I'm going with uh, Staropoli. Jamie Pickett, uh, not a good fighter. Not a good fighter. Rooting for the guy. Has a, a great story. You know, has a great purpose for being in the UFC. That's awesome. But he's not a good fighter. It's just plain and simple. Not good. Uh, he is going to have almost a foot reach advantage against uh, Staropoli. Staropoli's got, you know, little Cody Garbrandt arms. He's got 71 and a half inch uh, arms. Jamie Pickett has 82 inch arms. So Staropoli's probably going to have to close the distance on him, but I don't think it'll matter either way. Jamie Pickett's just not good. Got knocked out very early against Jordan Wright in his last fight in May. Before that, he got worked over by Tafan and Chukwi. Um, He is, 
and I'm I'm going to cont- I'm going to count contender series fights for fights under the UFC banner of any kind. He is one and four, and he's one and two on the contender series. So this guy is very 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 clearly not at the level of a UFC fighter. It's going to be very easy work, very good, uh, favorable matchmaking for. Uh, Staropoli is as he's going to win this one. Only 28 years old. He is on a three-fight losing streak, but you know, much tougher competition than what Jamie Pickett's used to. You know, Muslim Salikov, who's kind of the boogeyman of uh, of uh, this division. I, I really think highly of uh, of him. You know, Tim Means, who's a good fighter, and then Roman Delizzi probably should have won that one, but Delizzi, you know, and he's got a pretty record as well. But you know. Staropoli for a little bit really looked like he was uh, the future of Argentinian MMA. You know, he kind of came up uh, in the UFC back when uh, Ponzinibbio uh, was very highly ranked, I guess was the boogeyman of the division to keep using that cliche, um, and then got hurt. And then, oh, hey, here's a 9-1 Loriano Staropoli, and I believe... That, that fight against Muslim Salikov, I want to say that was the co-main event of uh, of a fight. Like, they they were really trying to push uh, Staropoli, but, you know, really hasn't gone his way uh, the last, holy shit, almost three years. Almost three years. Two and a half. Two years. Um, but, you know, he'll, he'll get on track here. Easy. Easy work. And, I, in fact, I think he gets a finish. You know, he's never had a finish in the UFC. Uh, every single one of his fights, win or loss, has gone to a decision. I think he gets a finish here. All right, moving on to the lightweight division. We'll have a fight between Kama, Worthy, and Jai Herbert. Worthy 16-8, and eight, Herbert 10-3. and three. Uh, Looking at the uh, odds here, uh, Jai Herbert will be the minus 169 favorite. I like how they chose that. I like how they chose that one specifically. Uh, very, very even fitting matchmaking here between the Death Star and the Black Country Banger. Um, whatever I pick is going to be wrong. I'm just going to say that. So I can actually, I can actually change the course of either of these fighters' careers because every single fight I've ever picked on Kama Worthy, I've picked incorrectly every single time. I picked him to lose against Devontae Smith and Luis Pena, and I picked him to win against Atman Azaitar and Jamie Malarkey. So whatever I choose, it's going to be the opposite. So I'm kind of in a weird, funky spot here. Uh, comma worthy, you know, a dangerous striker. Needs to work on his defense a little bit. Jai Herbert, he's uh, 0-2 in the UFC, so he really needs a win here. I'm... I'm going to say Jai Herbert's going to win this fight because I think Kama Worthy's going to win this fight. So, you know, I'm just kind of rolling with the the Owen curse on a Kama Worthy fight. So, technically, I'm going to say Jai Herbert's going to win this one because I think Kama Worthy's going to be too much. And, uh, you know, Jai Herbert's been uh, finished uh, in, his, in his two UFC appearances. So, you know, maybe a nice knockout win for Kama Worthy. All right, we're uh, slowly coming to an end here. 
uh, on the prelims. We'll have a fight here uh, in the flyweight division between Jeff Molina and Daniel Da Silva. Take a look at the odds for this one. Molina will be the minus 156 favorite. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about Daniel Silva. He's making his UFC debut. He's 25 years old, comes from uh, Chuto, Brazil. Uh, that's not a city, that's an organization. Seems to have a lot of finishes. Unfortunately, I don't watch regional uh, flyweight Brazilian MMA, so I don't know a whole lot about uh, uh, Mr. Uh, da Silva, but I do know a little bit about Jeff Molina. I l- fucking love Jeff Molina. This is a guy who brings it every single time. 24 years old, uh, which is in, you know, which is good. You know, you want to be in the UFC at 24 if you're a flyweight. We see so many flyweights come to the UFC from, like, the Contender Series, and they're, like, 31 years old. Dude, that's... You should be fucking retired at 31. I mean, you know, that's that's when that's when flyweight fighters start to, start to drop off. You know, there's, there's like, the, the fight span for a division, and it's severely shifted up for flyweight, you know, where you'll have 45-year-old heavyweights... You know, 45 at heavyweight is like 35 at, at flyweight. You know, it's, it's just the career spans are shifted forward. Um, but, you know, his uh, fight with uh, Jacob Silva on the Contender Series, probably one of the best Contender Series fights uh, from the 2020 season. And then his uh, fight with uh, Orichi Lang uh, at UFC 261, uh, probably the fight of the night at, uh, at, at a pay-per-view. I mean, that was... That was a, a banger of a fight. Uh, the only thing that concerns me... It doesn't concern me against De Silva because this is a guy making his UFC debut. I've never heard of him. He's not a champ in another organization. He's not a blue-chip prospect. But the only thing that concerns me for Molina going forward is he does get hit a lot. He hits people a lot, but he does get hit a lot. And you can't just go one for one. You, you can do that on the Contender Series. You can do that... On the regional scene, you could do that against lower-level UFC, but when you get to when you get to a higher level of flyweight MMA, you really just can't brawl every single second of every single fight and achieve your ultimate goal, presumably of being UFC champion. So he's gonna have to fix that a little bit, get a little more technical. But the heart—nobody can ever question the heart of Jeffrey Molina. Dude's an absolute fucking dog, and. Uh, you know, I think he's gonna he's gonna win here against De Silva. In fact, you know what? Because I because I haven't used it yet. You know what? I'm gonna re- retroactively use it, uh, and then use it here on Molina because I totally forgot. But I'm I'm gonna say Molina is gonna be the mailman's lock of the week. I, I I love this guy. So Jeffrey Molina will be the mailman's lock of the week. But we'll also I'm also gonna go Marvin Vittori as the mailman's lock of the week as well because I want to get two in here because sometimes. Sometimes I forget because I lost my little sounder for the fucking lock of the week. So I, I forget sometimes. So we'll go two. Um, and then very, very quickly, uh, we got uh, Lavinia Souza taking on Randall, Randa Marcos in the strawweight division. We'll go Souza by unanimous decision. And we have Jonathan Martinez taking on Ziviad Lashavili. Uh, we'll go Martinez by... Uh, by unanimous decision. All right, so with that, uh, we'll wrap it up here. Again, 
Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star M I N. Uh, be sure to look out for uh, the main card showdown later tonight. It's going to be the opening rounds of the October World Grand Prix, the second October World Grand Prix, because we started the whole Grand Prix thing uh, back last uh, October uh, in 2020. So uh, be sure to check for that. We'll probably have updated UFC rankings later tonight, so we won't wait too long on that. Uh, and that's about it. Leave us a five-star review on wh- however you're listening. I don't know how people listen, uh, presumably iTunes or Spotify. I don't even know if you can rate on Spotify. But anywhere, anywhere, give us five stars. You know, the fucking soup can attached to a string that somebody's listening uh, to. You know, just support the show. Support the show. Uh, and yeah, check out our website, northstarsports.media or owenealy.com if that tickles your fancy. Either one will take you to the right place. So with that, everybody, have a great Saturday. Thanks for tuning in.